Today you've joined hundreds of established and emerging writers who are discovering ways to reach their writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. You're listening to Ann Croker, Writing Coach. This is episode 177. Allison Hodgson on boiling a story down to its essence, one-star reviews, and perseverance. Back in October 2018, I interviewed three authors who served on the speaking team at Breathe Christian Writers Conference. We discussed all things writing, like their writing challenges, their writing process, and their advice for writers, all for you. I've mixed in with my standard short solo episodes an interview with Sean Smucker and another with Patrice Gopo. Today, I bring you the last of the three from that conference, a conversation with Allison Hodgson, author of The Pug List. This particular interview was fun. I sprang it on her at the last minute during the last hour on the last day of this conference. We slipped into a room and discussed such topics as boiling a story down to its essence, seeing our work come to fruition, managing a pug's Instagram account, one-star reviews, and much more. Here is Allison Hodgson. I'm glad you're doing this. Yeah, me too. I'm so happy. I'm delighted. Good. Well, I'm here with Allison Hodgson, and we're at a writing conference, so it's possible you will hear some ambient noise if people are coming and going, and so we're just saying that up front, but what better place to be? Exactly. Writers at a writing conference talking about writing. All right. Well, I'm going to read your bio so people can get to know you a little bit, and then we'll just dive in and talk a little bit about your work and your life. Sounds good. Allison Hodgson is the author of The Pug List, A Ridiculous Dog, A Family Who Lost Everything, and How They All Found Their Way Home. She is a Moth Story Slam winner and a regular contributor to the design website Hows.com. Her writing has been featured in Women's Day magazine, on Forbes.com, Christianity Today's Hermeneutics blog, and the Religion News Service. And her essays have been published in a variety of anthologies. Allison lives in Michigan with her husband, their children, and three good dogs. Welcome, Allison Hodgson. Thank you. So... I'm here with you. People don't know you. They don't know your writing. Like, talk about, let's actually, let's go back to the beginning of your writing life. Where did it all begin? How did you become a writer? Oh, well, like most people, I began with reading. And um, and then, you know, just loving to read and loving to just falling in love with written word. I The... Little House series was the first book I was given it. I can't remember what Christmas. I was really young, and I just started reading. And I remember finishing the first book and then closing it, and there was another one. And it was, like, again, you know, and just, like, I didn't know I was binge reading, but it was my first experience with that. And so then reading, and then I just became a really voracious reader, and then I can't remember when... How early, when just getting assignments to write in school, and the teacher would read them out loud, and my, uh, you know, I would get positive feedback from the teachers, but even more important from my fellow students, it's like, read Allison's, I want to hear Allison's story, and um, like positive reviews, and uh, and then I think you just realize when. Or I did. I guess you just, I just knew this is my thing. And, and what 
age? Um, mm, like grade school? Grade school. Yeah. Grade school. Yeah. And then some of the best books are about girl writers, you know, like Anna Green Cables and then, um, l- you know, Laura Ingalls, even though she doesn't in it, she doesn't talk about her writing. Obviously, she grew up to become a writer. And then, um, I don't know, it just, it was just always a part of me from a very young age. Yeah. So, And also resistance. Like, I was a writer who didn't actually, I liked having written and um, I didn't, I even from um, an early age, I engaged in a level of resistance and deadlines were, I'd, I'd enter contests. Um, there was this annual contest I would enter. And my mom would frequently have to run to the post office so we, it could have a, like at 11.30 to get the postmark because it had to be postmarked by a certain yes. day. So deadlines deadlines have always been my friends since, <laughs> since elementary school. Deadlines have been That's my motivation. Great. Yeah. So what about, like, uh, a writing life? How did that start to happen, evolve, um, well, published, I guess? Yeah, I, well, a few, years ago, I, a few years ago, I realized um, just that discontent when, you're, when you know something you're supposed to do. And on one level, you do want to do it. Um, and, and I just realized, well... I thought about um, <laughs> my kids had watched that. I think it was a Disney movie, The Aristic Cats, and um, one of the little kittens talked about scales and arpeggios and practice. And I just thought, okay, that's what I'm. That's going to be my goal. Like I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do with it. But no matter, I can't control the outcome, but I can control whether or not I practice it and whether or not. I try to develop a craft of writing because I know I have a talent, but I don't have the habit. And so I'm going to make it my habit. And so I started, um, I had friends who were blogging. And um, so I started blogging. It was a little bit like a coffee clatch. So I had a built-in audience. And then just my goal was daily writing. And it was such a joy. Well, it was early on. And when blogging wasn't real writing, and um, it was kind of looked down upon. But I didn't know that. What years? Like 2009 No, oh, no, no. Like 2005, 2005, 2006. I was early. So, yeah. So my friends and I joke about we got into blogging when it was a two-line highway. And then we both got off on an (laughs) off-ramp right before it turned into a super highway. And But it's one of those. You mean you stepped away? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because mm. then I was getting serious about my writing. So I set aside blogging because I went to a conference and – blogging was kind of like the ugly stepchild you know it was like ooh, blogging not real writing so then I went home and I was going to work on my book and so I didn't write a lot because I was working on my book versus I had been you know writing almost every day Hmm. for over a year and and then when I really got serious I I got stuck and um and then ironically you know, blogging took off. But, you know, it is what it is. You can't change that. So my story is a continual, you know, making a practice, uh, abandoning the practice, (laughs) going back to the practice. (laughs) So you you came back around? Yeah, not blogging, not blogging. But but the cool thing is um, 
I had been working on a book and I was struggling with the structure. And meanwhile, I was um, submitting things to different places. I'd had a couple essays published and, um, and then I was working on a book and I had an agent interested and I was working on the proposal, which, uh, you know, is so important, but can also be really hard. And, but I had a deadline and then an arsonist set my house on fire while I was in it. And um, my family and I, we escaped with the clothes on our backs. And that kind of sidetracked my project. And to be honest, I, oh, I, was, I was working on a book on motherhood and shame. And this was before Brene Brown's talk, her TED Talk. She'd already written at least one of her books. And um, so I like to, I like to get in early and then set them aside (laughs) that's that's another pattern Mm -hmm. um and so I set that book aside and then did um, you feel like there was no place for it anymore because no not that there wasn't a place for it I just wasn't in a place to write it because because I had losses I had you know I was arguing with insurance and had a scorching case of post-traumatic stress and three mm-hmm. traumatized kids mm-hmm. and, and then just normal daily life. And I'm not responding, like reacting because I know your story, but I'm sure listeners are like, what? I know, I know. So, it's weird. Like, yeah. I know we live in a very, we live in a very nice uh, little suburb and uh, it was random. We didn't know him. And, um, and they can read more about There's this. an entertaining book. <laughs> no, no, tell them, actually, tell them where the story, they can find the story. Yeah, it, it, is, it is called The Puglist, and um, it, it's available now. Anywhere yeah, books are sold. Yeah, anywhere yeah. books are sold. Yeah. And, but that, uh, and you do tell the story in there. And, yeah. Okay. And then, um, yeah, so, so it, it's a very long and convoluted story, but eventually it's nothing got wasted, and – the bottom line, I just, I, I would get discouraged. I get stuck in despair, and um, or something really difficult would happen. Things were getting better after the, um, the, uh, the fire, and I had, I've developed, I had this, this book idea for, I called it an etiquette guide for perilous times because mm. other personal tragedies we'd been through were in education, and so I was working on this book. And then it's really convoluted because then an editor asks an editor who'd bought some essays of mine asked me to write a book about a cat. And um, a nonfiction book or a fiction book? A nonfiction book. Okay. A nonfiction book. And I'd always thought there was a book about this cat. And so I set aside the etiquette, etiquette guide that was actually starting to go someplace. And I had a very young but a pressed an agent from a a very nice firm in New York was interested. She's very young, um, but uh, it was still a possibility. And then I started working on this cat book, and then we were in a a terrible car accident, and I got a concussion, and um, my daughter got a concussion, and my husband like. There was plastic surgery involved and um, more insurance. And so I came out of that, and I was like, seriously, just this wreckage, literal wreckage, you know, again. And um, and this time, uh, some serious health problems, and and I felt like I was washed up. 
And, but I had these two promising, and I didn't know how to go forward. And out of that came, um, <laughs> to summarize this very, very long story, um, out of that, I'm, I was introduced to an agent, and and I, I mentioned that I had this cat book. I had this etiquette book, and I had part of a cat book. And she said I would need a... Um, Oh, what's the word for the um, the business plan? A proposal? Yeah, I, she, I would need a proposal. And so I said, oh, I can do that. And I'm recovering from a brain injury. And I got off the phone. I'm like, why was I doing that? Why mm. did I say that? Mm. Oh, because I have a brain injury. That's why. Um, mm. So I felt like I had to do it. And then in researching that, you know, you read a compelling, like, heartwarming story about a cat Amazon will lead you to another one eventually they're probably going to lead you on to a dog and then something in the back cover copy on this one book just pricked in my brain and and I realized well usually when you read an animal story the animal's dead so you go into it even if it's a true story and it's a heartwarming story you just kind of know they're going to break your heart at the ending and our story involved a dog. My daughter wanted to rescue this dog, this pug. And the pug list was her motivational journal that she wrote to herself. And it, it opened addressed to the pug I will have someday. She was eight when she, um, she was in the house fire. And we talked about rescuing a pug someday. But like soon after, it was like, I think we're good. I think we're, we have enough living creatures to take care of. And she, she didn't get that telegram, so um, she had this relentless campaign. And that's my book is about the fire and rebuilding our lives and how surprisingly um, uh, this ridiculous little pug was the means of some really serious healing in our family. Well, so I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm realizing I'm thinking about this, and I look down, and the pug is at my feet, blinking, you know, with his little tongue out, and I realize this dog's still alive. Like, he's in our story, and he's still alive. And um, and that naughty little pug opened some really big doors for me to get published. So this that, very convoluted story, and I'm sorry, I should just no, say. I love yeah. it. So, so it's it. – but perseverance. I was once at a writer's conference, and, um, and I was just telling someone today, I said – Talent, uh, regrettably, talent isn't the most important thing in the aspect of getting a book published. It is in in the consideration of writing a fine book or any good writing, any excellent writing. But in regards to being published, perseverance is the most important thing, and not giving up. and And I've seen people who I know. I'm a better writer than they are. But I know they're more tenacious. And that's there's that's been some of the decision points for me where I'm like, as God is my witness, I will be published before her, <laughs> you know, or in addition to, you know, like do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It sounds so small. But that's the reality. R- regrettably, talent isn't the most important thing. Excellent writing isn't the most important thing. In published. To get published. To get published. It, it's not always a requirement, as we all know, as we've read yeah. mediocre or poor books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So The Pug List is your first book. Yep. After all that, you had other books. Will you ever 
resurrect any of those books or did they they can't like that time has come and gone and they are living in a drawer and that's fine no um I think there's something there's the cat book there's definitely something there and that never happened cat book never no no (laughs) that that was a um well I had to finish my sample chapters with a brain injury Mm. and this is a pro tip for your listeners <laughs> if you're sending in three sample chapters make sure they include the main character <laughs> which mine did not <laughs> i mean they did he was in this prologue and then i had to go back in the story and then that's when i got my brain injury and so anyway so but there but i do i definitely think there's something there because as silly as it sounds he was an extraordinary I, I've written a couple of, I've had a couple essays published about this ridiculous, extraordinary cat. Mm. And just, he was just a mafioso of a, no, that was another cat. But um, <laughs> I have a couple, couple animal stories. I have a couple odd questions I think are specific to you. You've participated in moth, done very well. How do you think that affects your writing? And how does your writing affect your oral uh, presentations and whatever you categorize moth as? Um, well... Yeah, storytelling is as much a part of... um, I've gotten a little stuck in narrow definitions. And um, I started doing moth as a way to practice for this thing I do. And um, Wait a minute. Moth, you practice for something else that you do? Yeah. Like moth, I went to moth because at this writer's conference, I do this thing that they Mm -hmm. called stand-up and for years I'm like I'm not a comedian jokes it's very specific there's Mm -hmm. a build-up and there's a I don't Mm -hmm. tell jokes I tell and they're like well just do your funny stuff about writing just do that and so for years I was not doing stand-up I was doing my thing my funny I just was supposed to make people laugh to make the room comfortable for the keynote so I do that and it's like well how do you practice so I started um, doing the moth as a means to practice because anytime you speak, you've got all this energy and it's a little bit like a rocket taking off and it's like it can go high or it can go sideways or explode, you know, and um, I had to find a way to manage that energy. And so I started doing um, moth storytelling, which is a really good practice. Anything that you can do, like either if it's writing or speaking, to take it down to its the smallest is such a good practice because you have five minutes, six, or you can take as long as you want if you're depending on the night, depending on the person, depending on the story. But I always try to keep the five minutes. And it's such an exercise and it's just amazing. And it's, I have... Um, as you may have observed in listening already, you may have observed <laughs> even before I had a brain injury, um, I'm not the most linear thinker. <laughs> uh, I wonder how many people are. No, I so, love that um, so, uh, so you're full of surprises. Yeah, I love that. many, many a tangent. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, and but it's it's such good practice for storytelling. Mm-hmm. And like when you read a really good novel. And you'll realize, like, I'll never forget reading a Barbara Pym novel, which if you like Jane Austen, you should read Barbara Pym. She's a lesser-known English uh, writer from the 1930s through the Mm. 50s. Anyway, um, I'll never forget reading a paragraph and 
there was a scene and then the next one they were wherever they needed to be and it was like oh she got him there you know and like as a reader when you're reading as a writer you know and so with storytelling that's the same sort of thing where you're telling the story and then you you just boil it down to its essence and you realize Mm. oh they don't need to know they don't need to know. They don't need to know that this is what they need. This is what they need. This is what. And because you, you propel it. And, and it's just such a good practice. And for me, thinking, performing isn't the hard part. It's the thinking of what, what doesn't need to be said, honestly, is the biggest part. So much of writing is about thinking, thinking clearly, thinking concisely, and, and, and maybe organizing that randomness into something. Yeah. I don't think readers realize how much it's the thinking because you're just thinking on paper, orally. This is fascinating. Now, I realized once I asked you about that, there could be people who don't know what moth is. Can you briefly explain it? Yeah, moth is, uh, well, it, it's a radio program, and but also in, it's based in New York, and, and it was started by someone who missed, he was Southern, and he moved to New York, and he missed that that porch atmosphere of sitting on the porch telling stories and so it's named the moth like how moths are attracted to light and it's on public radio well all across the country throughout the month there will be there's locations and it'll be at a venue and you go and this is what I didn't understand and what was incredible like 12 I think 10 people are chosen to tell their stories and what I thought was they drew they I knew they drew the names from the hat and I thought you went you put your name in the hat it gets drawn or not and then you know well which is awesome for like energy and stress and nervousness it, they're drawn one by one so the first story I tell her gets drawn and they go up and tell their story and then they draw the next name so your name is in the hat and you're sitting there and you have this very concise story and you have all that positive nervousness that doesn't feel positive at the time while you're enduring it and then you wait and then the next person tells their story and then and I the first night I went I got picked 10th and my sister who's this intense person um like she made me do it and um she, for years she'd been like you need to do the moth you need to do moth and so I went and it was it was although it was it, it was this gauntlet of of managing my energy and stress and then I was in the second row and so they drew my name and you know my sister grabbed my arms and she's like kill it kill it and I'm like dear god like and so I I went up and I told and I told a story and 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 I won that night and I killed killed it it. I killed it 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 was it was a good night and the great thing if you ever want to do it it's such it's the most convivial atmosphere it's just this really special there's this there's this warmth in the room and you'll have people just get up and tell you know stories on the spot you know they're not prepared and and some of those are the best. And then some people prepare and they over-prepare and it's not good. And then you'll have people who are so good and they have prepared and it's just a beautiful thing to hear them tell this incredible story. So it's yeah, a really lovely excellent. thing to do. So you do this more than once? You do it regularly? Yeah, I've done it a few times. None of them are, are near me, so I have to drive. So it's really quite an ordeal to do it. Um, but um so I've only done it I've done it a handful of times but um it's would, it's just a lovely thing to do would yeah. you consider that 
like part of your writing life or is it just like this separate creative oh it's all thing? together it is because to tell a story it is a form of writing and the for me it is literal writing because I've you do um, prep you prep absolutely because yeah. just because of the time I have to and that's the way I do it for this um thing that I do at the writers conference that is and then it's funny because it's I've really learned a lot about comedy and how I guess I kind of thought, okay, well, I'm a humorist, I'm a storyteller, and what I didn't realize is that was a way kind of to marginalize women that, oh, they're not comedians, they're storytellers, and that's not every, I mean, some female comics, they're just straight-up comics, they do traditional comedy, but, so, it's an, it's been an evolution for me to just own that and um, to walk that out. Excellent. And you did it at this conference, I've been here now three mm-hmm. times, and you've done it every time, and brought us a different story. Did you do that particular story at Moth? I'm just curious. Um, this one, yes. This one I did, the one that I told this evening, I did tell at the Moth okay. um, later, earlier in the year. Yeah. yeah. So you've done it. You've yeah, I like, tested it. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I've told it I've told it a few times. You know, it's okay. an old story, so I've told okay. it a few times. And it, it, it's usually well received. That's great. How about... Some challenges that you've faced. Uh, you told us some of that. But, like, looking ahead even, as you're trying to move forward with another book proposal, like, what are some of your biggest challenges as a writer? Is it truly coming back to, around to something like the brain injury? or? Yeah, yeah. To be honest, um, you know, we had we had these really, really stressful life events. And, um, and they just got all packed on. And then while these – and my – book that was actually published the publish the puglist was during I wasn't fully recovered and I hadn't fully processed everything and so after you know then I'm writing the book editing it and launching it and you know fortunately we got to travel a lot there was a lot involved with that and then just serious letdown and and why just exhaustion just Mm. real exhaustion and then um and so there was I just I just needed to exhale and and then I did feel I just I had some health things and and I just needed to rest for a while and it just it doesn't and that's just not really a part of our culture you know, and even though it totally makes sense, and when what, somebody what is it? the traveling and all that, just no. to rest, to rest, to mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. I did this huge thing, yeah, this series of huge things, <laughs> and I'm, and also, it's not like you know, I stopped my home life. It's not like I said to the kids, "Hey guys, you know, I've been through these traumatic events, and <laughs> also I'm working on a book, so can I like put you guys on pause and just live my own life for a while?" You know, it doesn't work. You know, and just. Uh, so, uh, that, and then, you know, other things I'd been doing ongoing, other writing, freelancing yeah. that, so, and now, now that I'm kind of on the tail end of it, I look back and I'm like, well, that makes sense to take a break. But when you're in the break, it's like when people are laid off and they have, um, it's stressful until you get a second job, you know? And yeah, then you look back yeah. and say, oh, why didn't I? Oh, I should have enjoyed that time. And mm. that's the stage I am where I'm like, well, of course I needed to, to take a break. So I took a break. You so took now. a break. What about joy? What are <laughs> yeah, some yeah, of the yeah, joys yeah. of your writing life? Um, well, well, I just love, like, I love the creative. Like, why I will persist is um, because 
I mean, I do love having written, but there's nothing like um, seeing something come to fruition, either with my friends slash colleagues, you know, fellow writers, you know, to, to be talking about something, like to see a book come to life or to see any creative endeavor, to see the beginning and then to see it evolve is, it's, it's, I love it. And um, so for me, it's like, oh, I got to keep going, you know? And then, and then I like, I don't know if you're familiar with the writer Dodie Smith. She wrote um, 101 Dalmatians and also I Capture the Castle, which is one of my favorite coming of age novels ever. Um, and on a, on the fly leaf of her book, she she started as a playwright and she said I I don't like writing um or, or she likes having getting an idea and she likes having written it's that time in between that gets her down and no one had ever so succinctly said exactly my entire like oh and she's I I so admire her writing so that that's my um writing joys and concerns in one sentence you know I love I love the idea I love having executed it it's that interim that's a bit of a hassle (laughs) the actual doing (laughs) of it such a hassle the writing (laughs) what are some things you're most I'm going to use the word proud of what are the some things that you're most proud of but you could also reframe it as I take great pleasure in this well, I was maybe I don't know if I'm answer, I can answer that or um, just going back to the joys. The joy for me is when it starts to come together. Like I love editing. Most some people don't love like it. I love it. It's getting it on the page. It's okay. so uncomfortable yeah. for me. It's like pushing a top, you know, and you're like, and so, it's wobbling around, and you're like pushing and pushing and it's making that weird clanking sound and they do break and so it's like well maybe it's maybe it's not going to happen this time and you push and you push and then it catches and it starts to spin and it starts to hum and and it's like and you let it go and it just goes across the room that's what's writing is like for me and the excruciating part of the push the push the push um Mm. Even in when you're in your best condition, even when you're not under, you know, duress or, you know, in any form, ugh, that's excruciating. So that for me, when it starts to sing, you know, when, or when you you come back and you realize oh, there's something here. Like you wrote something that you didn't realize. Like I love that. Mm, that's great. What is success for you? Or what do you think it will be if you don't feel like you're at your you've experienced whatever that means? Well, I think I think probably for me success is is just persisting and 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 writing the finest I can in whatever direction. Right now, I'm working on um, a middle grade book, and it's a real shift, and it's stretching me and the one that I'm working on and then I have the idea for the next one that's really exciting to me and and but it's like well I don't get to do that one and I know as soon as I get to do that one that one will be the dog you know that I'm like (laughs) oh oh this is so hard what was I thinking you know but um for me success will be not giving up continually or not giving up permanently 
you know, because yeah. yeah so everybody at the micro level on this book, but on the macro level, just on persisting, your, keep on your keeping career. to go. Yeah, continuing forward, moving do, forward. Do you have goals? I mean, obviously you have some short term goals with these two projects, but like I, when you look to the future, do you see yourself like I want? I, I have aspirations at least of of being here, doing that. Um. Well, I try. I mean, everybody has like. Everybody, I think most people hope their books will do well because it allows them to continue to write books. Um, so that's, you know, very common, normal goals. But I always want, the, I guess, I just, I always want my books to be um, a haven. Like, like not you know you talk about escapism and I mean like my first book was about somebody sitting in our house on fire and trauma and but I said and it was a little joke amongst my friends I said I'm gonna write the funniest arson memoir ever as if there's a category which there might be on Amazon you know arson memoirs you know funny like arson memoirs comma humor humorous um and but it was there was a lot of humor and Mm -hmm. um and my my uh, brand, if you will, is um, is laughter and and tears. And there's and I think you can pack a lot of. I try to be uh, deceptively wise. That's what I try to do. I try to sneak wisdom past you. You know how some writers they write and they're they're like hitting you with the wisdom, like a two by four to the face, and you're like, I get it, I get it. Yes. And I like deep mm-hmm. stuff, but. I just want you to be deep. I don't want you to say, "Look how deep I am." Mm. You know, I want you to mm. not. You don't. You don't have to sneak it past me, but don't punch me in the face with it. You know what I'm saying? I do. I, I do. always like a lighter touch. So for me to keep mm. like to to have my books be a safe place, whatever the age of the writers, to just hmm. to be able to get away from their own difficulties and to be entertained but then also be able to process some of their difficulties. So even your middle grade novels, these are novels you're working on, right? Yeah, um, well, the first one is nonfiction, but okay. it, but it, I'm writing it like a I think the best, it's a memoir, but I'm writing the best, like I feel like the best memoirs read like a novel. That's always my goal. And that's my preference too. Do, but so and you're going to be sneaking some wisdom in there. Oh, yeah. So there's a oh, conscious yeah. effort to do that. Well, it's there it's, because it's there because it you lived helps. It the first it's in time. the story. You it's it's it. in the story. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's in the story. The, yeah, yeah. So that's what that's one reason I love memoir. Do you have any advice for writers? Obviously, you've already given a lot. Persevere. Um, you even talked about the the practice of writing. You had making practice. You talked about moth even having benefits, maybe. Yeah. Know, or they, oh, that, absolutely. Things like that. But, Think, does anything come to mind, uh, uh, something you haven't touched on yet? Something that I think is really important is being careful with f- – feedback is really important. Um, like, well, we're at a writer's conference. Find a good writer's conference. A good writer's conference can be a great thing to do and ask around. And that you, when you're ready to make contacts, there's nothing like – in person and and just from a like I wouldn't know you if there wasn't you know and so just from a sense of building your writing community building um 
making friends who understand what you're trying to do and who are doing it as well, that you can be mutually beneficial, not in a gross, you know, way, but just in a natural, organic, like, I love your writing and I want to, like, how can I support you? Too often we make up that if we're not published, we can't, we can't be a part of the literary world. And now more than ever, we can between reviewing things on Amazon and Goodreads and just word of mouth sharing things on social media or just old-fashioned you know word of mouth um I think I held back I missed out on having a literary life um for far too long because I wasn't writing and I didn't value what a reader I was and how much an important part I was of the literary world already just being a voracious reader and I think too often people do that and so if you want to have a literary life you you are having it it's just how big it's going to be and so I that's what I would recommend to figure out ways like go to book signings there's nothing there's no author more grateful than at your Barnes and Noble on a Tuesday night at 7 p.m. and there's three people in the audience and one of them, you know, is there for the free snacks, you know, <laughs> and the other's yeah. asleep, you know, <laughs> like there's a nice time to make a connection. <laughs> like go to yeah. book signings, yeah. you know, go to conferences, read, you know, mm-hmm. post reviews, like don't limit, don't make, don't make up what that is. If, if you want to write and be published. That's good. Yeah, well, that's, I've learned backwards, okay. <laughs> as about, we do. Yeah. How about your own platform building stuff, your social media? How much does that play into um, how you're working toward the future of your of your writing possibilities well you know I'm thinking about that and it's so it's so easy to fritter away time and I think it's just figuring out you know figuring out what you're naturally good at and when my book is coming out the marketing director at my publisher told me to get the pug on Instagram she's like get Oliver on Instagram which I thought was super weird and frankly beneath me (laughs) flash forward just a few months and I'm like oh my gosh being a pug online is like a thousand times better and you know all (laughs) we follow pug accounts following pugs online is so much better than 99% of humans and so um he has you know, a healthy little following on Instagram and, and I love it. And it's totally sincere, you know, it's in his voice and it's so much fun. And I know that silly little dog brings more joy to people than, than I do as a human. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I've, I've been a human. Yeah. yeah on, well, on social media, on social media, on social media okay. like I'm a human now on Instagram and, you know, I try not to be a monster, which I think should be everyone's goal on social media. And <laughs> Frankly, I think more people need feedback on what that looks like, and I'd be happy to give it. <laughs> but um, well, how do they follow? It's the pug? Uh, on Instagram. It's the real Pug Oliver, and I'm Allison Hodgson Books. And then we're barely on Twitter. Then that's just figuring it out. We do. I, I Oliver does. Well, I did as a human. I was on Twitter as a human first. It's very complicated. <laughs> I was on Twitter as a human. And then I joined this pug chat, which was super weird because some of the pugs are answering. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. and again, this sounds so weird unless you actually follow animal accounts and you realize the glory of thing. it, the glory of it. Because mm. so many, 
especially pugs. They're funny. They're upbeat. You know, <laughs> they, they, they're, um, they've got some real concise and um, searing observations, you know. And, oh, my gosh. So we do this thing on Twitter called Pug Chat. Um, every Wednesday night and I started as a human hashtag pug chat hashtag pug on chat on Wednesday you know 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern okay. if you if you're having a bad week just tune into pug chat I am in I'm oh, all it's, in it's a delight it's a delight I'll and so there. so we're there and that I think that's a part an important thing because also it's always changing you know like okay so blogs oh those are crap and then it's like everybody needs a blog and then you know oh blogs are passe everybody needs a podcast and then you know or or everybody's on and like I can't even think of some of the social media that came and went that it's like everybody needs to get on you know and it's the publishers telling you this and you're like ugh. and so you just have to figure (laughs) out what works for you and Mm. Instagram doesn't work for everybody and Like, if all you're posting is colored backgrounds with, you know, quotes, Instagram's probably not your medium. (laughs) (laughs) So you have mastered it. You manage two accounts. How do you do that? How do you manage more than one voice? Do you cross-post well, Oliver sometimes, sometimes Oliver will shill my book, and that's you know how he refers to it because that's my way to um, get over the like, uh, yeah, like, and again, I've only on Instagram, I've only been a human briefly, and then on Facebook, you know, we have our pages, but we just kind of feed our Instagram okay. into that, you know, because okay. it's just otherwise all you're doing is uh, social media, but Instagram is a great place. I mean, the Bookstagram community is thriving and huge and wonderful. Like, I love it as a reader. You know, I don't, as a human, I don't, I mean, Oliver rarely shills my book other than when the book came out. You know, that was the launch. And he, did it do well? Did it, it, it did all right. It did all right. It did all right. You don't need to. Yeah. To share anything no, it did all right. Yeah, I'm not going to give you my numbers. Um, it did all right. <laughs> I'm glad. For but you. Um, and, for, and for Oliver. Yeah. And well, for your daughter. For Oliver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, come on, I don't want my face on any crap. <laughs> Although he did joke about um, being appalled that you know my memoir was about me and not him mm-hmm. enough, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. he's right. I so is this like a whole creative writing exercise to enter into this voice of, of a Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. silliness. And to like use, I'll have to ask my teenage daughters, you know, for, I'm like, okay, so am I here for this? What are, like, what are, what are, what are we saying now? You know, well, not me. Like, what are um, youthful people saying, you know, and so. And what did they say? I don't remember, but I run by. If there's something that I've heard, you know, I'll put it by them. Because I was the one who years ago asked my sister, I'm like, who are these guys? Kardashians because I'd only read them on you know I don't <laughs> watch any it. I'd never heard it and she's like the Kardashians and I'm like yeah I'm like and what's their deal with Bruce Jenner because this was years ago you know years ago yeah. then then she explained it to me but I'm like I, what's the yeah. why are they on you know just at the supermarket I saw the Kardashians so that's my come from with wow. pop culture so so where can we find you? Uh, um, Allison, and it's A-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-D-G-S-O-N.com. And um, my name, I, I do have an author page on Facebook. and But my website is, is a great way to be in touch. And Instagram, I am on there every day because it takes a lot of time 
doing other things than writing a book to write a book. That's my process. So if... How do you find the time? I'm, just, I'm throwing in like, like a last minute, last ditch, quick question. Like, how do you do it? I have, time. I have time. You have time. <laughs> I you have make time. The time yeah, whatever. I make okay. the time. Well, it, and, and then I squander it. <laughs> And then I, again, this is my, pro- this is my process. Yeah. I don't recommend it necessarily. It's better to just get to work. But, um. So you don't really, do you have a routine you follow or anything? Well, I'm working on that. I, I'm really, I'm really working but on that. But you're not a routine kind of personality, I'm, I'm guessing. No. No, but I'm, 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 I've been changing some things and coordinating some things to, to make that a, a, a more of a possibility. So, so. I'm, I'm just, again, I'm like stealing some time here at the end, but like, do you say I'm going to spend 15 minutes creating an image for the pug Instagram and my own? And oh, like, you're that, talking about that, social media. It, okay. Well, okay. Yeah, writing, yeah. 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 Um, well, like I said, I have been on hiatus for a while, so, um, I, I, I took the summer off. Um, so, but what I do is I get up in the morning and I post I, I post daily for so the pods. So yeah. you're doing social yeah. media first as yeah. opposed to end of the day or something? Yeah. Okay. I do that just for timing and because a lot of my community, they're on in the morning. And you have to pay attention to what your community is doing. As a human, it's a little bit more hit and miss right now, which is such a silly thing to say. The but pug community. <laughs> you no. Know, yeah. The, the, well, Oliver, Oliver has far more followers than I do. So to be honest, he's <laughs> he's my priority. Yeah. <laughs> Getting his message out there. Um, and so, yeah. And and I really want to I, – I love Bookstagram. Like, I, I've loved um, – just that's hash- for people who don't know that's where you use the hashtag and it's that that phrase all to jammed together bookstagram yep and you hashtag things that are related to literary yeah books. well if you f- f- it's for um like like i have all these obscure novelists i adore that not everybody is familiar with but if you are you're passionate and so like you just do the hashtag and different writers and then you know, you'll see posts. And, and so I love connecting because I've learned about books and authors that I didn't know about at all. And then new new writers, because um, I will hesitate. I, 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 I will usually borrow a book, you know, from the library, read it, and then buy it. That's usually what I do. And the buying it is to support the writer or to support Oh, yeah, the absolutely. Or I want it. You know, yeah, I, you I want the it. book. Yeah, but good. I buy a lot of books. So mm-hmm. if I bought all my books new. You wouldn't have a house big enough. No, I'd have yeah. to be selling organs. And you know, that'd be my side gig. <laughs> I don't think that's legal. <laughs> oh, this is great. This is great. Well, I'm going to have you just like outtakes from the uh, or whatever you want to do it but when I was here at the same conference and we're at the Breathe Christian Writers Conference and you do this monologue which yeah. is what you described earlier yep. and you talked about well I'll let you I'll let you take it from there you can well I, I will I will say this it's um okay so I do this I do this monologue and and it's not stand up but my job is to make people laugh to warm up the room for the keynote. I open, you know, I'm I'm the warm up. And so that that is my job every year to make them laugh. So when I get introduced, and this is a tiny tangent and I'll build to what I said last year, but um when I get introduced, oftentimes it's someone who loves me and is a big fan and they're sometimes friends, you know, but so they'll say 
you know, Allison, you know, and they'll tell a little bit about my bio, but then they'll say, she's so funny. She's so hilarious. And then I get up there and it's not like the audience agrees, you know, to resist me, but you just do. You know, when someone says, you know, oh, they're so amazing, so funny. And it's like, really? Well, I guess we'll see. And that's fine for one person. But when you have 150 people consciously or not saying, well, we'll see. It feels pretty awful <laughs> to be in front of them <laughs> and to have all that energy, you know, and to be managing it. So uh, last year I said, I said to the person introducing me, and in retrospect, she's a very calm person. So she could say, I'm hilarious and it wouldn't be a problem at all. And, but I said, you know, please, please don't say that I'm hilarious. So she didn't, but she probably was going to. So then she got up and said, sometimes Allison makes us laugh. And Allison, and then she gave me this very weird introduction that very much undersold me, like didn't sell me at all. Like it was basically like, maybe we should get out of here. And my talk last year was um, entitled Misery, Sadness, and Complaints. And it was an excerpt from a one-star review of my book that, that, I think the entirety of the review was, if you thrive on misery, sadness, and complaints, this is the book for you. That was was the summation of the review. It was a little bit longer than that. And and the first time, if you, maybe you'll never get a one-star review, but the first time you do, if if you're published, odds are you will, um, just like, pull out your organs and, you know, cut them out and put them on a sidewalk, you know, and, and it will be less painful than the first one star (laughs) review you get. It's like, (gasps) like, it's like, (gasps) it's like you feel it in your chest and then you stagger backwards, you know? And so, um, but by then this was, you know, a year after the book came out and this one was so, I just so appreciated her verve and her, you know, use of language, you know, writer to writer. I think her name, was it Sharon? I can't remember what her name we'll was. Call, we'll call her Sharon. Sharon you know, and so I saw that and I, like immediately I was like, oh, wow, she can turn a phrase. And then I didn't, I'd never done this before, but I thought, well, what else is Sharon reviewed? And so I clicked on her name because I thought, okay, well, you know, she, she thinks I'm one star. What does she think about other things? And then the first thing was these um, plastic tubs. She gave them a five-star review. (laughs) They were the sort that, like, busboys would use. But these were um, in really pretty colors. There was, like, this apple green and this cherry red and this kind of – it was a a periwinkle. It was periwinkle. And she – wrote and she'd gotten them for a reunion and she put ice in them and they were perfect for keeping things cold and they were cute to boot and I was like and it was true you know and I was like I can't question that and then the next thing I can't remember what the next oh next thing um was like Bragg's apple cider also a five-star review it's wonderful. I'm like, oh, maybe it is me. So, and then I got to some really dorky things that she was like, and then she did, she did leave some other scathing reviews. Like, um, there was a sweatshirt that shrunk in the dryer or something. So I went through, so I, I told, you know, I went through a few of my one star reviews because there's more than one. Because when you write a book about, um, 
a dog. There are some people, that's all they want. They don't want any human. And you know what? I get it. But but you need a human to write the book, I regret. And that was me. And, and at the end of the day, it was my story. So pug people. And pug people are a special category of dog people. So there were some people who were like, you know, they didn't say too much human. But that's what they meant. But so that, so that was what my talk was. So last year, I get up and... This, the person who'd introduced me followed my my request and very much understood me. So I get up and 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 as I was walking up, I, I I wanted to show the reviews. So I had a slideshow, and the title page was misery, sadness, and complaints on a black screen. And it was like it punched him in the face. So I stand up and I realize, and I can feel this like what. Like this, what's going to happen? What's she going to (laughs) do? And I realized I'd created my own resistance. And so so I I just looked out and I said, yeah, I'm going to make you laugh. And then I started my thing. And it was really, it it sounds silly, but it was a really powerful moment for me, you know, to, to, uh, and so I'm not calling myself a comedian by any stretch, but it's like, but that's what I do. I make people laugh. And you had that planned out, but there was a little bit of improv, just inserting that, yeah. understanding the situation, reading the room. Feeling reading it. The, feeling, feeling it. it. Mm. Feeling it. That's great. Yep. Thank you. You're for welcome. Sharing it, You're welcome. Us a little, a little treat. Yeah. So, all right. You have a wonderful day and thank you for being with my, my people. Oh, I'm my, delighted. My, my thank listeners. you. It's my pleasure. I will send people to... Uh, AnnCroker.com slash Allison. That's with one L. And I'll just leave it at that. A-L-I-S-O-N. So AnnCroker.com slash Allison. And that'll lead to the page with all the notes, all the information. If we think of extra stuff, we'll just dump it in there. Places to go, things to do. A kitchen that are related, sink. That are related to you. <laughs> it's not a giveaway. It's a way to connect with Allison and all the wonderful, amusing things that she's doing. Maybe even, do you have anything uh, they can listen to? Samples or like some of the... Recordings of things you've done? Um, I do have a little snippet of one of my moth stories on my website. And I think that could be fun. Yeah, I I, I need to, yeah, I need to get that. I do have some. I do have some videos, but okay. You so know. we'll collect. We'll collect. Yeah, we're working on it. We'll, we'll send them to this page. This uh, that contains this podcast episode and all the notes containing it. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for joining me for this conversation with Allison. You can find links to all things Allison at annkroker.com slash Allison. That's Allison with one L, A-L-I-S-O-N. And I'll provide show notes for this episode with a link to her moth clip and all of her social media links, everything but the kitchen sink. Again, you can find it all at annkroker.com slash Allison. I'm Ann Croker, cheering you on as a writing coach in your ear, everywhere we may meet, at my website, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, in your inbox, here on this podcast, over at Patreon, or even in person. I'm always looking for ideas to share with you that will help you achieve your writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. Thank you for listening.